and welcome once again to Let's Talk Catholic with Father Scott Lawler. This week we include the readings and homilies from two Masses recently celebrated by Father Scott. The first for the exaltation of the Holy Cross, the second for Our Lady of Sorrows. Let us pray. O God, who will but your only begotten Son should undergo the cross to save the human race, grant, we pray, that we who have known his mystery on earth may merit the grace of his redemption in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the book of Numbers. With their patience worn out by the journey, the people complained against God and Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in this desert, where there is no food or water? We are disgusted with this wretched food. In punishment, the Lord sent among them, among the people, seraph serpents, which bit the people so that many of them died. Then the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned in complaining against the Lord and you. Pray the Lord to take the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a seraph and mount it on a pole. And if any of you who have been bitten look at it, they will live. Moses according, accordingly made a bronze serpent, and mounted it on a pole. And whenever anyone who had been bitten by the, a serpent looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do not forget the works of the Lord. Do not forget the works of the Lord. Hearken, my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter mysteries from of old. Do not forget the works of the Lord. While he slew them, they sought him and, inqu and inquired after God again. <clears throat> Remembering that God was their rock and the Most High God, their Redeemer. Do not forget the works of the Lord. But they flattered him with their mouths and lied to him with their tongues though their hearts were not steadfast toward him, nor were they faithful to his covenant. Do not forget the works of the Lord. But he, being merciful, forgave their sin and destroyed them not. Often he turned back his anger and let none of his wrath be roused. Do not forget the works of the Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him 
and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ and we bless you because by your cross you have redeemed the world. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to Nicodemus, No one has gone up to heaven except the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good evening, everyone. So I had the um, benefits of what they call a classical education. I'm not saying that you didn't, but I did. So when I was at uh, boarding school, there were certain books that we had to read. And one of them was Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is a fascinating book. It's very well written. Bram Stoker was the press agent for the writers of operas that many of you will know, Gilbert and Sullivan. They worked for Gilbert and Sullivan. And when he started, he, he was always kind of a bit bitter um, because he wasn't treated very well because he was an Irishman living in London in Victorian times and the Victorians didn't like anybody who wasn't Victorian in English. So um, he had tried to get a couple of manuscripts written in the past and not been successful. And he heard about this tale that probably came from the same dinner party where Mary Shelley first told the tale of Frankenstein. But I won't... I'll just save that for another homily. But he heard this tale that had been told there. And he decided that he would expand and try and turn this into a book. So he rented an apartment in Soho in London... And the reason why is because if you've ever read um, Dracula, quite a lot of Dracula is written in first person. Jonathan Harker, the lawyer, the first third of the book is supposed to be his diary entries. So 
His concern, Stoker's concern was that if one of his maidservants or his wife came across this manuscript, that they think he was going loco in the capesa. Now, why am I telling you this? Not to show off my classical education, because that's obvious. <laughs> I, the reason why I'm telling you that is because in the book, Dracula, there is a point made that the vampire is not frightened of crosses. He's frightened of crucifixes. Now, we have probably, most of us, have seen um, Dracula movies over the time and uh, they'll do everything from this to crossing anything. Crosses, even historically in Transylvania, I've actually um, been to Dracula's castle in Transylvania in the Subcarpathian Mountains. Um, in Romanian folklore, it's not a cross. It's a crucifix. What is the difference? I was asked this a few years ago. I was asked, and, and it happened to me again um, just before I came here. Uh, in an RCIA class, there was a, a group of people in the parish that I was helping, and they asked me to take the RCIA class. And I, I said to them, any questions? And someone said, I'm still not clear why crucifixes are such a big deal for, for Catholics. Whereas other Christians um, don't have crucifixes. Why is it such a big deal? Um, so I took a piece of paper and I drew on the piece of paper an electric chair, a syringe, a gallows and a guillotine and a cross. So what do they all have in common? They are instruments of capital punishment. And then I drew a body on the cross. And then what does it become? It becomes what we used to call the vexilla regis. The banner of the king. The hymn that we're singing today, Lift High the Cross, is loosely based on a a hymn that was written over a thousand years ago, ago called Vexilla Regis Prodient. And the first line, which is what that is, I've just said, is the banner of the king goes forth. And what is the banner of the king? Or the throne, as you sometimes hear the church fathers talk about, what is the throne of the king? The Vexilla. Vexilla is a Latin word for a banner. The Vexilla, the vexilla of the king is the cross but not any old cross. So we're not celebrating the exaltation of crosses. We are celebrating the exaltation of the Holy Cross. The wood of the cross, because traditionally on this day is when St. Helena, the mother of the Emperor Constantine, when she was looking for relics that she found parts of the cross that are in Santa Croce in Jerusalem, the Holy, the Holy Cross in Jerusalem. She took them home. She put them into crystal. She also took a couple of ships load of soil 
she raised her house and put the soil underneath, lowered her house, which is what you can do in the, when you're the emperor's mother, right? That's why it's called Holy Cross in Jerusalem, because that church doesn't sit on Italian soil. It sits on the soil of Jerusalem. And those parts of the cross, you can still go there and see them, and there are also three thorns as well. And why is it so precious? John 3.16, right? You know, you used to see that all the time. You know, I don't know if you still see that, but in sports events, particularly in the States, um, I used to see them. The first time I think I saw it was when they had the Soccer World Cup here. And there was all these crowds and people were holding up John 3.16. And I used to think, I should know what that is. <laughs> oh, right. And that's what the Gospel passage is, of course, here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. How is that done? The Savior gave his life. It was not taken from him. He gave his life. He gave his blood. And he gave his blood in a very bloody fashion. And he gave every drop of his blood. We know that John makes a point of telling us that when they eventually went to check if Jesus was dead or not, when they put the lance on his side, it was blood and water that came out. There was no blood left apart from that little bit. The Savior gave all of his blood. Now that is God. That is God who has given every drop of his blood for us. And why? Because it's the only way we could fix what had happened before. When Adam and Eve sinned, they sinned against God. When you sin in order to make reparation, your reparation should be something to the same extent or same level as a sin that you make. So the church tells us, if you have stolen from someone and you go to confess, the church doesn't say, that you have to go and get yourself into trouble for it. What the church tells us is there has to be an act of reparation. But how can humanity make an act of reparation to God when we are so low and he is obviously the ultimate? And all the blood that was shed by all the sacrifices of the animals in the Old Testament, that blood never resolved the problem. It masked the problem. In order to resolve the problem, some way, shape or form, God had to become man to make it right. And not just right, but more than right by giving every drop of his blood. When you see a cross it is an instrument of torture when you see the crucifix. It is, as many of you have heard me say before, I stole it, this from Fulton Sheen, it is a love letter written in blood to each one of us personally. When people enter your houses, they should see crucifixes on a very regular basis. 
and not because we want to have pictures of tortured, a tortured man, but because it is that Vexilla Regis, it's the banner of our King. That's why we're having a procession today after Mass. We're having a procession because we're going to walk round and we're going to lift that cross with him on it, who saved the world, who saved us, who loves us, who has never stopped saving us because it is an act by God and God's acts are eternal. That's what happens at Mass. At Mass, it is the self-same sacrifice which is represented on the cross, re-presented, not represented, re-presented on the altar. And that's why it's an altar and not a table. It's an altar because it's a sacrifice. If it was a table, it would just be a meal. It's an altar because it's a sacrifice. And it gives meaning to everything we suffer, providing we embrace it. And speaking of embracing it, the great St Andrew, patron of Scotland, the story we're told when St Andrew was dying, or when he was an old man, and they planned, they arrested him and they planned to crucify him on the village, on the beach at Petras. Petras is a nasty industrial town in Greece. It used to be a fishing port. But there's a bay in Petras. And when they brought St Andrew out of prison, and they were walking him down the beach so that people could gather to see this well-known um, preacher being killed. You know, St Andrew's cross is like this. St Andrew was an old man. He was probably in his 70s. And he was frail because he'd been ta- tortured quite a lot when he was younger. And he could barely walk on his own. And he shook off his own disciples helping him and he started as best he could running towards his cr- the cross the saltire, as we call it in Scotland. And the prayer, we're told, that he cried out was, O instrument and symbol of my saving, let me hug you, let me embrace you. Let this now be my completion. In the sufferings that we have in our life, and the only thing that gives any meaning to suffering that you see in the world is because it can have a redemptive value. When St. Paul tells the Galatians, I make up for that which is missing in the sufferings of Christ, there's nothing missing in the sufferings of Christ. So what does he mean? What he means is that God loves us so much that we can offer our sufferings and the Lord will take them to his for the good of other people. It's one of the things that should happen when I'm at the altar and I'm preparing the gifts. You should be laying on the altar all that you have, the joys, the sorrows, the the pain, and you put it on the altar and you say to God, this is for the sake of my children, my grandchildren, my husband, my wife, my parents, for those who I love, for those who need it, so that when I'm saying the words, Please accept this sacrifice. That this sacrifice is not just the sacrifice that is made real here, this glimpse 
into heaven. But the sacrifice is also what we all have to offer. You might have heard me say this before, again, shouldn't tire of hearing this, but St. John Paul, when he used to go around visiting homes and nursing homes and hospitals, and he would say to people, and what are you offering your sufferings for? And he, read, he wrote in the great encyclical he wrote about suffering that it broke his heart because so, few, so many people just looked at him and went, what are you talking about? It was a thing when I was little that um, if you, it's only, it was only Catholic, it was Catholic mothers and grandmothers that used to do this. If you banged yourself or something like that, um, my grandmother would say in her beautiful, soft Irish voice, stop crying and offer it up. And it's like Catholic, shut up. But actually, of course, it's a real thing. All of us have things that we can offer. Every day. For some of you, it will be physical things. For some of you, it will be psychiatric things. For some of you, it will be psychological things. For some of you, it will be all of them. For some of you, it will be other people. The sadness is if you're not doing that. The sadness is if you're not bringing that as an offering to God. It's more important to bring that as an offering than anything else. I am willing to embrace my cross to, as the Saviour told us, to pick up my cross and follow you. It's one of the most beautiful things about our faith. The understanding of redemptive suffering. And it is something the world desperately needs to hear time and time again. Whatever you are suffering, it has a purpose, as long as you give it a purpose. As long as you are willing to offer it to God. As long as you are willing to lay it on the altar with the gifts. Lord, here's what I can give you today. All I can give you is the fact that I can barely walk. All I can give you today is my heart's breaking because my son doesn't go to church. All I can give you today is the fact that my family are now thinking about coming back to church and I'm trying to do the right thing. Don't waste these opportunities to offer these things to God. There is a beauty that we celebrate today, which is why we exalt the cross, the holy cross, the vexilla regis. Because with that as our banner, we are able to follow our king. And in darkness, because the cross is exalted, we can always look up and see our saviour who's hanging there with his arms open because he loves us. But not just us. He loves you. If you were the only person, and you should never tire of hearing this, if you were the only person that ever needs saving, he still would have done it for you. What are you giving him? What are you offering him? How are you helping him save other people? You know, our lady is the great co-redemptrix. The one who said yes, so brought the saviour of the world into the world. But the Lord asks us all 
to assist him in the redemption of other people. We all have the possibility of doing this. Make sure you do it. Not just today, because you've heard me say this. And if what I've just said doesn't make any sense to you, offer it up. If you never understand anything else I ever say, then that, my time here will still have been worth it if you do it. Offer it up. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As a reminder, you can find past episodes of Let's Talk Catholic at letstalkcatholicpodcast.blogspot.com, including Father Scott's programs about the Rosary of Our Lady of the Seven Sorrows. We take you now to the Mass for Our Lady of Sorrows. Christ was in flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your justice, rescue me. Make haste to deliver me. Save me, O Lord, in your kindness. Be my rock of refuge, a stronghold to give me safety. You are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead and guide me. You will free me from the snare they have set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commend my spirit. You will redeem me, O Lord, O faithful God. But my trust is in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. In your hand is my destiny. Rescue me from the clutches of my enemies and my persecutors. Save me, O Lord, in your guidance. How great is your goodness, O Lord, which you have stored for those who fear you, and which towards those who take refuge in you, you show in the sight of the children of men. Save me, O Lord, in your guidance. 
Please stand. The sequence at the cross, her station keeping, stood the mournful mother weeping, close to Jesus to the last. Through her heart, his sorrow sharing, all his bitter anguish bearing. Now at length, the sword had passed. Oh, how sad and sore distressed was the mother highly blessed of the soul begotten one. Christ above in torment hangs, she beneath beholds the pangs of her dying glorious son. Is there one who would not weep, whelmed in miseries so deep, Christ dear mother to behold? Can the human heart refrain from partaking in her pain, in that mother's pain untold? Bruised, derided, cursed, defiled, she beheld her tender child, all with bloody scourges rent. For the sins of his own nation saw him hang in desolation, till his spirit forth he sent. O sweet mother, font of love, touch my spirit from above, make my heart with yours accord. Make me feel as you have felt, make my soul to glow and melt with the love of Christ my Lord. Holy Mother, pierce me through, in my heart each wound renew of my Saviour crucified. Let me share with you his pain, who for all our sins was slain, who for me in torments died. Let me mingle tears with you, mourning him who mourned for me all the days that I may live. By the cross with you to stay, there with you to weep and pray, is all I ask of you to give. Virgin of all virgins blessed, listen to my fond request. Let me share your grief divine. Let me to my latest breath, in my body bear the death of that dying son of yours. Wounded with his every wound, Steep my soul till it has swooned in his very blood away. Be to me, O virgin nigh, lest in flames I burn and die in his awful judgment day. Christ, when you shall call me hence, be your mother my defence, be your cross my victory. While my body here decays, may my soul your goodness praise. Safe in heaven eternally. Amen. Blessed are you, O Virgin Mary, without dying you won the martyr's crown beneath the cross of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. 
Jesus' father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The Gospel of the Lord. Yesterday, um, yesterday evening, we had a, a lovely, um, actually a beautiful occasion of mass and then a procession with the cross. And um, we did actually did outside. We did the stations of the cross, which uh, was very enjoyable. I was close to tears a few times because I'm a big softy, really. Um, but it was a beautiful thing to see. This feast the seven sorrows of Our Lady. As a feast started to appear about 700 years ago, and then after what um, history calls the Reformation, but properly speaking, we uh, Catholics should call the, the Protestant Revolt, it became a much more powerful thing because although Martin Luther and Ehrlich Zwingli and John Calvin, all had strong devotions to Our Lady. Their second generation followers started getting rid of her. They pushed her out. So now we're in the sad circumstance, as most of you know, that for non-Catholic Christians, Our Lady is just a little model that sits in the nativity scene once a year. And of course she's a lot more than that. So why did they do that? Well, part of why they did that, of course, was because what Our Lady shows us is that it's possible to be an obedient disciple of the Lord. Because Father Martin Luther's problem was that he suffered from a lack of, well, he couldn't, he, he suffered from lust, basically. And then he, his lust turned into a strange kind of scrupulosity where at one point he was going to confession three or four times a day to different priests. And his mindset was that um, confession can't be a thing because if it's a thing, why am I still suffering from what I'm suffering from? Well, of course, the correct understanding is you need to change, you need to change, right? You go to confession, you get the graces. You get the, the, the graces are given, the sacramental graces are given to us, but we have to do something about it. We have to conform ourselves. We have to do what we need to do. So his conclusion was that it can't be a thing because I'm not being changed some kind of magic trick like people today will, will many of you might know people like this people will turn their back on the church because bad things happen in their life bad things always happen and the attacks on Our Lady that became from Protestantism were because um, she is an indictment 
to, so you can't get rid of Jesus, right? Because then you're not a Christian, okay? Although, you will find if you study some Protestant groups, they have to all intents and purposes. The Jesus you all know is not the Jesus that they talk about. It's very strange. Because they have to try and make God in their image. Because they don't want, as we, as, as somebody has talked to somebody yesterday about that, we heard it in the psalm today. Um, our faith is built on a rock. That, that's a literal thing. St. Peter. So our faith is built on a rock, but spiritually our faith is built on a rock. And the thing about rocks are, anybody that lives in Onaway knows this to be the case, because apparently this is where the glaciers stopped in the last ice age, which is why we have this whole line here of big, big rocks. You know, when we're trying to bury people, we'll come across rocks all the time. Some rocks are not for moving, right? So you anchor yourself to a rock, which is what we have done in our faith. We anchor ourselves to a rock. That rock's not moving. Whether you like it or not, that rock's there. Unless you take dynamite to it, or a hammer, and so, for us, our faith is a rock, spiritually as well as physically. And so the ugly truths about what we deal with in our own lives, but also that things happen, we don't chase them away, or we don't try to run away from them in our faith. We embrace, as I was talking last night, about what, what is very, very Catholic, and therefore extremely Christian, Redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering is such a beautiful thing that God allows us to offer what we have to join with his sacrifice to save other people. And of course, that's what Our Lady did. You know, we have the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. Our Lady's faith is exemplary, of course. You think about these, as I'm going to read out, the seven sorrows. So, Our Lady and Joseph came to the temple to fulfill what it says in the book of Leviticus, that your firstborn son should be circumcised, given as uh, an offering to God, and then you give, in their case, a couple of doves in reparation, so that God will give you back the use of your son. So she has this beautiful child. Uh, I mean, imagine all of us have had the glory of holding a baby. Many of you will have had the glory of holding your own baby in your arms. Just think about how beautiful Jesus must have looked. Most children, most babies, look beautiful. And certainly I hope to their mothers they look beautiful and their fathers. But imagine how beautiful the Son of God must have looked as a child. Imagine what his smile must have been like. And they're there doing what they need to do. And this old man comes up and he blesses them. Isn't that kind of, in that gospel passage, it's kind of strange. He blesses them, then tells her, your son is going to bring suffering to you. Imagine what that would be like at the age of 16, 17. You've got your son, beautiful baby, something special about this baby. He doesn't really cry, he just smiles a lot. And when people see him, their reactions would be, because you can imagine what the smile's like. 
also would imagine that the baby Jesus had his arms open all the time. He always wanted to hug people. He was practicing for that, of course. To hang on the cross with his arms open. That must have been very confusing, but her faith was so strong, she understood there must be something to this. And then the next sorrow, the flight into Egypt. So imagine you've married this really good man, you've got your little child, and then he comes in during the night and says to you, by the way, we need to get out of here, because they're coming to kill him. This beautiful child, this special child, this child who sleeps, who doesn't wake up during the night, As if his head's going to spin around it. When you turn to your spouse and say, it's your turn. <laughs> but of course, for her, it would always have wanted to be her turn. But in obedience, they get up and they go to fulfill the prophecy. We are told by the prophet Jeremiah that salvation of the peoples will come from Egypt. The shadow of that is what happens with Joseph, the first Joseph, and the Jacob's family. And then the third one, the loss of Jesus for three days. Um, now just as an aside, um, I got a text just before Mass. There's a young girl, 13-year-old girl, missing in Alpina. She'd been missing for three days. So I would ask you all to keep, um, keep that in your prayers. She uh, went off with two older boys, older young men, and uh, parents hadn't seen her for, for three days. And um, so, most of your parents, if not all of your parents, I can't imagine what they're going through. But of course, it reminded me of this on a day like this. What was it like for a lady and Joseph to wonder where? Their son was for three days. And then the carrying of the cross. So we have to bear in mind that sin and things that happen to sorrows that happen to us, pains and things like that, we are, we are not innocent. But she knew her son was innocent of everything. And yet his face had been kicked and punched, spat upon, his skin was off his back. And then they put this on this. Um, device of death on his back. This always reminds me when I reflect on the seven sorrows of that scene, I think I've mentioned this before in a homily, that scene in the Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, which of course are from the, the dreams, the visions of uh, Blessed Catherine Emmerich, where Mel Gibson, the way he, he works us is, is very powerful. Our Lady is shadowing her son, and one of the falls, Jesus looks down the lane, and Our Lady is standing there, and he says, Look, Mother, I make all things new. Her faith, imagine that. Imagine seeing your child go through that, knowing that your child is completely innocent of everything. And that your son is able, he can't smile, he probably can't even see very well. But he knows, of course, where his mother is because of this beautiful bond that they have. And he says, look, mother, I make all things new. And then, of course, the crucifixion of the Lord. 
the other gospel option for this um, today is from the crucifixion scene in the Gospel of John, where our Lord, who has been stripped of everything, he has given everything he has for us. He is, even as he's hanging there, giving all his blood for us. And he has one thing left, two things left to give. give. His life, which he's about to do, and one other thing. And he gives us his mother. He says to us from the cross, Have my mother as your mother. This woman whose faith is so strong, whose love is so strong, have her as your mother. And we are fools if we don't take her. We're not praying the rosary. So next month, October, is the month of the uh, of the rosary, as you probably all know. Um, the, the spoiler alert, the handout for that is going to be the 15 promises given for the praying of the rosary. If you're not praying the rosary, even the short rosary, even a one in our Father, five Hail Marys and a Glory Be, if you're not doing that, why not? Because... Do you know what? I've got, I've got a lot of those Alexa devices in the house. I've got them all over the place. Right? So one of the, the skills that the, you can do through the Alexa device is you can get it to pray the rosary with you. So regularly when I'm walking about the house, I'll say, Alexa, I want to play the rosary. And um, anybody who's... Uh, I'm recording this hopefully to get broadcast on my radio program. So if somebody's got Alexa devices and they're listening to this on the radio, their Alexa will just have started the rosary. How cool would that be? Um, yeah, so I, I can walk about the house and I'm, I'm joining in with the... Uh, with you praying with someone else. It's, it's always nice, I mean, even if I'm praying with a computer. Computers do a lot of bad, so it's quite good to get to do some good stuff. But you have to have it in your life. You have, to, you have to have. He gave us his mother. We are foolish, particularly as, as many of you know, um, because I'm so jealous of the fact I'm not American in that regard. I wasn't born here. Um, because you've got Our Lady of Guadalupe. Somebody said to me yesterday, actually, they hadn't realized that... Um, don't laugh at this, right? Because I kept a straight face. They didn't realize that Mexico was in North America. So they didn't realize that Our Lady of Guadalupe actually stood on the soil of North America. So I said to them, if you came to weekday mass, you would have heard me say that. I explained that. But the fact that she stood on the soil that we stand on now, and she said to the peoples of North America, don't you understand that I have you under my mantle? Said that to you. And Our Lady of Guadalupe, she's pregnant with the Lord. So you're under her mantle. You're nestling up against him as well. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I am so jealous about that when I think about it. Moving on. Then the sixth sorrow. Jesus is taken down from the cross. And uh, you'll all be familiar with uh, Michelangelo's Pietà. 
that's the image. It happens to be in St. Peter's, but many churches have one, where Our Lady is holding her son in her dead son in her arms. But it didn't, her faith didn't waver. Imagine that. That's happening, and yet she still knows there is some purpose to this. God has a plan for this. Just like He's a plan for all of us, we have to trust that even when, when things happen in our lives and we don't understand why, God has a plan for us. The ultimate plan, of course, is to be with Him forever. She is there with her nestling her son, her dead son. And the seventh one, the Lord is laid in the tomb. And she's not saying goodbye. Somehow she knows that this, he is Emmanuel. She was told that by Gabriel. So this is not a goodbye. Even though she doesn't understand it, there's something going to happen. But I'm sure she wanted to linger. You know, we're told by, by um, pious tradition that the first stations of the cross were done by Our Lady. That that night she walked the stations of the cross, soaking up the blood of her son into her garments. Because every single drop of his blood, of course, is precious. Twilight. You know, my feelings about having carpets in Catholic churches, I think that's complete madness. If you're going to have communion of both kinds, why would you have a carpet? One drop of his blood could save the world. Why would you want to soak, let one drop of his blood soak into a carpet? It's really important that, that we think about these things, that we understand what is happening here. In Mass, this same child who grew into a man, who has this mother still, is who we receive, body, blood, soul, and divinity, at communion. When you come forward, that is who you're coming to encounter, in a real corporeal way. Is God everywhere? Yes, He is. Can you pray everywhere? Yes, you can. But it is here in Mass that you encounter and receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the baby who became the lost boy, who suffered, who died, who goes again for us. And in the seven sorrows, we see the obedience of, I don't understand, but I'm not supposed to, I'm just supposed to trust. Wonderful thing here in the parish before every Mass. Um, you pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Many years ago, when I was having problems before I was ordained a deacon, I um, met with a friend of mine whose father was a permanent deacon. This was actually in Italy. And for some reason, I don't know why, you know, God does these things to you. I poured out all these things to this man who I'd never met before in Denver, Colorado. And he took over his wallet and he took out, I'd never really looked at the image of Divine Mercy really closely before. And he pushed it over the table in this cafe. I still remember the cafe was just beside, just beside the Circus Maximus in, in Rome. He pushed it aside, he turned it around and he said, the bottom text, stop. 
You need to deflate from the bottom pit. Jesus, I trust in you. Because it's the only thing you can really do. Any things that happen in your life, as she did, as we are called to do, Jesus, I trust in you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, coming to God, our loving Father, we lift our hearts and voices in prayer. For our Holy Father, our bishops and priests, that they may be examples to God's people of the obedience that is learned through suffering, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That God in his justice may be a rock of refuge, a stronghold for all who are oppressed, making haste to deliver them through Christians brave enough to work for justice and peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That on this memorial of her sorrows, we may do all we can to console our Blessed Mother for all she has suffered for our salvation and allow her to be a loving presence in our own sorrows. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the sufferings of Jesus and the sorrows of his virgin mother may encourage us to accept our share of the cross in our lives as part of the redeeming work of God in the world. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all who have died and for those who grieve them, especially the mothers who share in Mary's sorrow, that the grace of the resurrection may lift them up with joy. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. As you know, I generally, at this time, ask Cedar Lady's intercession for the church and for the government. But in view of what I said to my homily about a young girl that's missing, I would ask that we would seek her Lady's intercession and we'll pray three Hail Marys that this young girl be found safe and sound. And if need be, glad to listen and that um, her future is one that. Uh, is full of richness and glory. Let's play three times together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed
Thanks for joining us today. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, Let's Talk Catholic Podcast blogspot.com or you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or almost any other podcast provider. You can also like us on Facebook. Let's Talk Catholic is produced by Nick Medelsky and can be heard right here on Relevant Radio in Northern Michigan, Saturdays at noon. Thank you.